Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome back fight fans to another big fight preview for this weekend's action and it's headlined by Javonta Davis versus Rolando Roley Romero a great fight this weekend really excited to talk about Javonta Davis we've got some thoughts feelings and opinions about what's happening for him outside of the ring and, and what potentially could happen inside the ring as well but also on the same card we've got a really really good fight between Erislandi Lara and Spike O'Sullivan getting a, another title shot. I'm not too sure how he's got his way into contention for this fight. But he is actually fighting Erislandi Lara for the WBA World Middleweight title. And then you've also got Otto Volling who's fighting this weekend. Someone else to, to talk about and mention throughout the course of this episode. But it is a relatively quiet weekend for boxing. There are a few small hall shows across the UK. But nothing too significant that will make us want to discuss some of the major fights going on over this weekend. So I'm probably going to say we'll start the show just sort of mentioning some of these shows uh, across the UK there's a good show in Wales and I think I've got to do all the Welsh boxing fans and the Welsh listeners a bit of credit here because it is actually on BBC Wales and it's headlined with Joshua John versus Mark McKeown Jake Tinklin versus Lloyd Germain uh, a really good undefeated welterweight Welsh area title clash Morgan Jones versus Jerome Warburton, again, another Welsh area title clash on there, uh, and many of the prospects that are going in against the journeyman on that particular show. So for all you Welsh fight fans out there, That'll be like your 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 sort of like Christmas come early for you guys. It's a it's a it's a great little show that's going on. Uh, but I'm gonna jump straight into the big fight this weekend then, Johnston. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Javonta Davis and Rolando Romero. Rolando Romero Fellow undefeated fighter, 14-0, gets his shot at the WBA World Lightweight title, or should I say the WBA regular version of the lightweight title, the current 
main version or super version is actually held at the moment by George Cambosis Jr. who's fighting Devin Haney. Now, Javonta Davis has mentioned on social media in the past 24 hours that apparently this is going to be his last fight under Mayweather Promotions. And I'm going to allude to our patron-only episode that we've done for our patrons of the podcast they wanted a episode on the boxing promoters over the past 12 months and we we brought to light obviously Mayweather promotions and their only fighter and it's Javonta Davis and it looks like now they're on the verge of losing him because he wants control of his own career before we get into a breakdown of this fight what are you making of that since we've done that episode I think this is a a very good move from Javonta Davis to actually come out and say you know what I want to affiliate myself with someone else that I'll have a bit better uh, promotion-wise, and also it gives me more creative control over what happens next for my boxing career. And I think it's a really good move. It's a move that we've been saying that Davis sort of needed to do, needed to get away from Mayweather. He had to. You know, the guy is just too self-centred and he's not willing to work with any other promoters. He's, He's just not good for Davis, who is one of the biggest names in boxing at the moment for me. He's not quite got himself going, but he's got huge potential. And he is more than capable of cleaning up this lightweight division, which is littered, absolutely stacked with some outstanding talent. And then he's going to naff this last fight um, against Romero. I mean, we'll go into it. I don't think it's going to be that um, that difficult for Davis, to be honest with you. Um, but... The fact of the matter is he's going to be a free agent. It's almost like uh, NFL. I mean, I don't watch NFL too much. I like the Super Bowl. I do sort of keep my eye on it. But it's like the draft picks, isn't it? When you have those uh, draft picks at the sort of start of the new season or whatever it is. And and if Durante Davis was a draft pick, you'd have every one of those top sides. It'll be He'll be a number one pick, surely. He really would be. And him being a free agent, he's going to have so many promoters sniffing around him. It's just a matter of... Is he gonna? Has he got enough people around him? I'm not quite sure if he has that can help him make the right choice. Whether he goes to the PBC or he goes to a Mayweather rival in uh, Golden Boy Promotions, who currently has Ryan Garcia in their trenches, and that's a potential fight for him down the line. Who has fought on the zone? Maybe moves over with Eddie to Matrim, who obviously affiliates himself with the zone, and you got Haney. That is fighting Camosis Jr. And potentially there could be a big fight for him there. Or he goes to the PBC who don't actually have anyone uh, with a title in the lightweight division. So, I mean, I, I could sort of see him going the PBC route. But then I think that hinders his chances of getting big fights against Haney, Garcia or Camosis Jr. Whoever wins that Haney, Camosis Jr. fight. Or even he goes top rank and he, and he signs up with Bob Arum, and then you've got Lemonchenko there, and you've also got Lopez. So there's big fights for him, but it's just a matter of which one does he choose. I'm sort of siding with the fact that he'd probably go down the PBC route, but they like to do things in-house, and I think that might actually delay it, just like it is with Mayweather. I, 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 ideally, I would probably... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he did go with Golden Boy, to be honest with you. There's plenty of options for him, and there's plenty of fights out there for him if he successfully comes through this fight, which we'll have our thoughts and feelings on that shortly, but... You know, ideally for me, he's got to look at the bigger picture and see like where where can he make the most money first and foremost. Where can he get the best fights? And it kind of narrows it down a little bit. You've got Eddie Hearn and Matchroom who can provide him with probably a lot of money and, and some pretty good damn fights. Or you've got Top Rank who could again, like you mentioned, Lopez. You've mentioned Lomachenko. There's there's quite a few 
good fighters there that he can get in the ring with and, and further enhance where his career is at, at the moment. So it's exciting to see what happens next and, you know, whether he does even affiliate with a promoter, whether he just, you know, he, he controls his whole own career. I mean, that, that happens, of course, you know, whether he, whether he looks at PBC, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see. But it is a good talking point to start the episode off with Davis because obviously he's only mentioned that in the last 24 hours. So I thought... You know, this is a, this is a great sort of conversation, and given the episode we've done on our Patreon membership service for boxing promoters, it kind of puts a little bit of things into perspective for us as to sort of where some of these promoters are, and and obviously how some of these fighters sometimes they're gonna have to move around to be able to get their opportunities, and I think Davis. You know, the position he's in, he needs to do that. He needs to be putting himself in prime position to be fighting the best guys of the division. So, he's fight this weekend then, Johnson, against Roly Romero, or Rolando Romero. I think he's still a good fight for him, because Romero actually has a really good name in Anthony Yigit on his record. He beat Yigit last year in July, and he won the WBA interim lightweight title as a result of that. So, for me, you know, this is a guy who's... At a level, he's proven himself. You get only having the, the one loss on his record, of course. And he's going in against a guy who obviously is undefeated, who has struggled in the past with weight and has obviously subsequently moved up to counteract the problems he's had. His last fight, in terms of Davis's fights, is against Isaac Cruz, who is an absolutely tenacious fighter, a really tenacious fighter, and made it a really close fight between the two. And then he's had that... Marquee victory over Leo Santa Cruz. He's beat Eucorius Gamboa. He's beat Hugo Ruiz. Liam Walsh five years ago. And Jose Pedraza. He's beaten as well. So he's got some really good names on his record as Giovanni Davis. And I think this is a good way for him to continue to show that he's ready for the big boys in the lightweight division by getting a, a good victory. And I think we've got the unification fight coming up between Cambosis Jr. and Haney. And I think once we know the victory in that and whether Davis gets through this or not, then it'll determine whether that big fight can be made. I think Davis wants the winner of that fight, and, and logically so, but, you know, at the moment, he is only the regular WBA champion. So, whether he'll be in with a shout for that is another question or not. So, we'll have to wait and see what happens following this fight. But I think he's got... Uh, a decent fighter in front of him, uh, a fighter that I think maybe is getting the Davis fight a little bit too soon for his career, having only really beaten Yigit and not really beaten any other major notable names. And I think Javonta Davis, we like his style. We've liked what he's done so far in his career. I think if he, for him to win this fight, he doesn't need to really do too much differently than what he normally does. But he's got a confident opponent in front of him. I'm just wondering, what does Romero have to do to beat Davis? That That is the bigger question for me. Yeah, it's a good question. And Romero has... Um been quite vocal uh, about Davis and he's got under Davis's skin a little bit hasn't he so um, whether that's a good thing from him or not I'm not too sure to piss Davis off because he's uh, a brute he, he's, he's, he reminds me of like a really small Mike Tyson the way he's sort of compacted and and he launches in with his right hand and, and when he does it you he hits you hard and they're single shots though more than anything and, and, and Romero is He's a bigger guy, you know. He is. He's, he's actually looked really quite well built. The recent pictures I've seen of him, and I, I, honestly, I, I think that Davis is just a level apart. Um, the only suggestion is is whether Davis has got whether he's got his mind right and it, and he's really concentrating on Romero. I think by pissing him off, I think he probably has. I think he's probably channeled that. If he'd have kept quiet a little bit, I think Davis may have gone into it a little less 
aggressive because I think he's going to be very aggressive from the very first moment. And although Romero sort of said I'm going to knock him out and stuff, he is a bigger guy. He's taller, and he will be, you will see a size difference. But Davis is just so compact and he's powerful. I just can't see this fight going beyond the halfway point at all. I mean, I could see this getting finished within two and three rounds, if I was being honest with you. If I was to put a bet down, I'd say one to three rounds. I think Davis gets rid of Romero because I just don't think he's going to be able to withstand the power. Um, but then uh, maybe he may just sort of try and fight on the back foot. I think that's the only way. If he's going to do that, he's going to have to try and stay away from Davis and try and get through those early stages. And then later on in the fight, then try and put the pressure on Davis, where hopefully he might be a little bit fatigued. Uh, but I, I just don't see this fight going very far at all, Sean. <laughs> well, there you go. You're being quite vocal about your opinions on this one. The fact that Davis is such a compact, aggressive fighter that Romero really doesn't, in your eyes, stand that great of a chance in beating Davis this weekend. And it's a fair assessment, Johnston. I, I mentioned the fighters on their resume for a reason, and it was because the resumes are at completely different points. Davis, for me, is ready for a mega fight. And it's plain and simple. Whereas Romero, this is his second big fight. And it's an even bigger fight than the Yigit fight. And I don't think he's had the experience from the Yigit fight enough to fight someone like a Davis. And that's my opinion. And that's why I think he'll struggle in this fight. I think Davis is going to come at him. He's going to get on his chest. He's going to bully him. He's going to try and get him against the ropes. Unload them combinations. And for Romero, has he got the power to keep Davis off? So far from what I've seen in his career, I'm not so sure he has. Yes, he's obviously got some good things. Yep. He's got some good victories, Johnston. I'll, I'll, I'll attest to he that. Has, yeah. But has he got the power to keep Davies off? And that, that's the questions that I'll be asking. You look at his, his knockouts in his career so far, and he's got a good good resume 12 knockouts out of his 14 fights. That suggests that you know he has got power. But at what level does that power carry up to? Does it carry up to a guy who who has moved up in weight, you know, will Davis be affected by those punches or will he be able to take them and just eat them up like the cereal? We'll get to see. And they're the, quest <laughs> they're the questions that we need answering, I suppose, from, from Davis's end. But I'm not discrediting Romero. Uh, and, and please don't think I'm discrediting him. I just, I think this is a step too soon for him. That That's my, my, my yeah. thoughts and feelings on it is this is a step too soon for him. If he puts on a good showing for a number of rounds uh, and he gets stopped later in the fight, early, whatever it is, then he can come back. He's 26 years of age. He can come back again. I think Davies is just at that level at the moment where I can't see many fighters, if anybody, at this moment beating him. And he's only a year older. So I think where Davies' career is at is is further up the ladder than I think where Romero's is at. And I mean, people might just say I'm chatting a little bit here because I'm not giving Romero any credit. But I just kind of feel it's it's a point where... You look at the fights they've had, you look at the resumes between the two of them, you look at the experience that, that there's the difference between them, and you think to yourself, well, Davis has got all that experience. He's been in the big marquee fights. He's beaten some really, really notable names, former champions, yes, in lower weight divisions, guys that are still active today that are, are potentially off the back of Davis' fights going on to fight bigger fights, and I talk about Isaac Cruz. So for me, Johnston, I think Davis, in terms of... of this fight and how it plays out. I think he wins this fight. I think you're going for sort of like one, one to three in terms of rounds. I think I'll give Romero a little bit more credit. I think because he's had that you get victory. I think it maybe goes a little bit further. But ultimately, I kind of agree with you in the sense that I think 
Giovanni Davies stops him. I think we get a really good couple of first rounds uh, and we might even see Davies get hurt by Romero given that he has got evident power. But I think Davies has been to the mill before and I think he knows now how to deal with situations like that, that them adverse situations that, that give you that character and that heart as a fighter. And I think Davies comes through this. I think I'm looking at the sort of the midway point, around maybe six to seven. I think Davies breaks him down and I think he stops him. And then Romero comes away with it for, with a good showing and, and just puts his name into the mix a little bit more in that division. I think he's got a bit of a job to do going in there, but I think he's going to certainly try and do it. He's been very vocal. He's getting under the skin. It looks a little bit evident that he's getting under the skin. Maybe, just maybe, someone else could completely change the concept of that fight and maybe we'll get a different fight. But I think both of us are sort of solidified in our opinions that I think Davis wins this fight and he wins it in a good fashion. And we then start to talk about him fighting the winner of Cambosis versus Heine. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, uh, to be fair, I mean, I'm not discrediting Romero, and you've made some great points there because you know he he has uh, he had that Yigit fight, um, and um, but yeah, I just think in terms of what I've seen from him, there's he's just he's exposed at times. You know, if he was a bit more tucked in, a little bit more cute with his defence skill, then I, I would probably say I'd give him more of a chance. But I think because defensively, I don't think he's all that. I think that's a dangerous, dangerous thing when you're fighting somebody like Dev, um, Devin Haney. When you're fighting someone like Davis, who you've pissed off and he's going to want to kill you. Um, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I think that just, it's, it's just a bad move from him. I think in, in the logic in my head is Romero's probably thinking, if I piss him off enough, he's going to want to try and knock me out and I'm going to be on my toes. I'm going to keep away from him because I'm going to be fresh early on, tie him out and then put the pressure on him. That's a dangerous game, but I sort of think that's the game he's looking to play. Um, and yeah, for me, I just, I think he's, he's too vulnerable. He's not like a Haney where he's, you know, defensively sound uh, as well as, you know, not absolutely sound. He gets hit, don't get me wrong, but he's much more tighter in his defense than, you know, all those guys on the top level of this division, whether it's Lamanchenko or even Lopez, Cambosis Jr. Like these, these guys are a lot more, um, I just think because they've, they've, they've had a lot more knowledge and, and they understand the sport and they, defensively they're just better i think that's i think that's the point i'm trying to make and romero just for me i've not seen anything that makes you think that he's going to withstand anything apart from that he's a bigger guy i think he will be he will be bigger he's going to be taller he's going to be probably a bit wider um so yeah i, I think that if there is benefits um then i suppose his size possibly if he tires davis he could i mean if he beats him sean this will be the shock of the year so far for me yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a, a good sort of ending statement to, to, to finalise our preview for this main fight this weekend is it would probably be the shock of the year so far. So, undercard then. Main fight on the undercard. Chief support. Eris Landilara, Spike O'Sullivan, Gary O'Sullivan getting another title shot. Again, I said it at the top of the show. I'm not too sure why he's getting it and, and how he's getting this title shot. But Eris Landilara still going strong, still causing problems for absolutely everybody. And you look at the names he's been in the ring with in the super welterweight division. Now he's moved up to the middleweight division. And now, obviously, he's a world champion getting that WBA vacant title against Thomas Lamana, KOing him in one round last May. So a year on, now he's fighting Spike O'Sullivan. I just don't understand how Spike's got this fight. Like, I like Spike. He's a good character. He's a good guy in general. But how has he got this fight? Uh, that That's still beyond the realms of, of my knowledge as to how this has happened. Because his, every time he steps up Spike, he's, he's lost 
to better fighters. Going back as far as when he fought Chris Eubank Jr. in 2015, he stepped up, he lost. He got that fight against David Lemieux, he lost. He got the fight against Jaime Munguia in 2020, he lost. And he lost by stoppage. So straight away, I think, no, Erislandi Lara, based on what he's, what he's doing in his career, even though he's at the ripe old age he's at, I still think he's got more, more than enough to make this a successful title defence against Spike. And Erislandi Lara is the guy now that's moved up to the middleweight division. He's become a champion in the middleweight division. And I still think he causes so many problems for some of the middleweight champions out there. I'd love to see him fight like a Golovkin. You know, Erislandi Lara versus Golovkin would be a great fight. Styles would be... Oh, I think they gel so well. I think we'd get such an entertaining fight. And with them both being older in their careers, I think that would make for a really great fight. I'm just not sure whether that happens now because obviously Golovkin seems to be fighting Canelo in, in what could be his final fight when lose or draw. But Erez Landilara, talented fighter. Spike Sullivan, definitely not at this level. What do you make of this fight? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit baffled by uh, Gary... O'Sullivan's got this um, chance. I mean, look, as you say, O'Sullivan's a nice chap. Yeah, I mean, I've I remember before when I've been on Twitter before, and he's 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 replied to messages and stuff, and um, he's genuinely seems to be a nice guy. Everyone says some nice things about him, but you know, it doesn't win your it doesn't win your box boxing matches, does it? And, and when you think of Lara, no matter what, even at his age, yeah, he's a middleweight now, but he's so tricky. I mean, I've watched Lara for years and loved watching Lara. Just how that beautiful stance and just the in and out, the, the way he can throw, he put his punches together and he's just such a clever fighter. And uh, I know he's probably, you know, the speed isn't quite what it used to be. His power probably not, although, you know, he's knocking guys out in the middleweight division, obviously carrying the extra weights, helping him, but he's just, he's just too good. He's going to be too good for Gary O'Sullivan. I wasn't expecting him to knock out um, Le Mans, um Lara, especially in the first round. It's not something he tends to do. Um, but he, you know, whether this extra weight is helping him and when he when he's landing them shots and he's following through with him, obviously it's, it's, it's taking effect on fighters. I mean, I would I would look at it and I'd say that Gary Sullivan will survive in this fight. I can't I can't see him getting knocked out, but then again, I probably can. I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, but I do think he's a bit of a boxing just just it's going to give him a lesson and i think that's probably what you're going to see he may even get stopped because um he's just losing every single round there's just no point in gary sullivan being there because in terms of technical ability he's he's way 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 beyond he's nowhere near someone like lara no i agree i think it's uh for me it feels like an open and shut case uh and, and like i say and i've always said i hate writing fighters off but i think it's it's so hard not to write Spike O'Sullivan off. He has got power, I'll give him that. If he lands one and rocks Lara, if he can get near him, that is, then maybe we'll see a different fight. But that's about as far as I can kind of go with it. I honestly think Lara dominates this fight and possibly stops him a little bit later on down the line after an accumulation of punches or punishment. And I think that's how this fight goes down. Uh, another big fight then on the undercard is 18-0 super welterweight. He's got 15 knockouts as well. Jesus Alejandro Ramos. And he's fighting Luke Santa Maria on this particular card as well. I've seen a little bit of Ramos. I'll be honest. I've, I've checked in to see what he's all about and see, you know, what what, he, what he's done in his career so far. And he's obviously had some some good step ups from what I can see throughout the levels. But I think you know he's he's, he's getting the step ups at the right point now. I think. Being 18-0 with 15 knockouts, 
You know you need to start stepping up your level of opposition. He got a KO in his in his last outing against Vladimir Hernandez earlier on this year, and he's keeping himself active by going in there and fighting Luke Santa Maria. And then you look at the super welterweight division. You know, for someone who's had this many fights, you're expecting him to be up there. You know, with with the likes of Erickson Lubin and Jack Kulkai and Tony Harris and Dennis Hogan. You know, these types of names sort of around the outskirts of the top ten in the super welterweight division, but. I've not really seen too much of him being promoted. I mean, as UK fight fans, we don't always tend to get to see all of the fighters like Ramos. But, you know, with someone at this stage of his career, 18 fights in, you'd be expecting that he would be stepping up this level. And for me, I'm not so sure that a fight against Luke Santamaria is is the step up that he needs. I mean, Santamaria, you know, he's fought Devin Alexander just below or just above, should I say, the uh, the, the welterweight limit at 149. But, you know, in, he, in his last fight, he was fighting back down at welterweight against Abel Ramos. So, for me, he's a, he's a, natural, he's a natural welterweight who's moving up to take this fight. And I think it's going to make yeah. Ramos look good. And it's going to start giving Ramos more of a shout to be up there in that sort of top 10 region and start calling for the big fights. Because we mentioned when we talked about Charlo's victory over Castano, we mentioned how the super welterweight divisions also come into life a little bit as well. And it's names like this that, that need to be thrusted up there in, in bigger fights before we can actually start to really look at him and go, you know what, this guy is actually going to be a superstar. You know, he's, he's, he's got a lot of people talking about him but for me, it's not enough because, you know, when we follow boxing the way we do and everything that we do for our pods, we don't really hear too much about him. So for me, he needs to be pushed out there. He needs a big fight. After If he wins this fight, he needs a big fight. He needs a fight with a top 10 guy. It's the only way he's going to get put on the radar by beating somebody maybe he's not expected to beat. So that is the third major fight on this card this weekend. So I am looking forward to the to the three major fights on the card this weekend. But Johnston, I know you mentioned uh, off-air to me, and, and I mentioned it at the top of the show, about Otto Volling also fighting this weekend as well. Yeah, Otto Volin is uh, back in the ring. He's fighting uh, Rydell Booker, uh, and it's at, um, up in uh, Michigan. Um, so um, it's a Salita Promotions card as well uh, under Salita Promotions, uh, a promoter that we've uh, we spoke about in our in our sort of um, patrons only episode. So uh, yeah, um, doing pretty good. And uh, Otto Volin obviously is one of his bigger names and. And Rydell Booker, I mean, I, I mean, we we like Volin. We both do. I mean, we've both been appreciative of him since sort of the Tyson Fury defeat. And you know, he's fighting a guy here. You know, he's he's forty one years of age, and he's been in there. I mean, if anyone remembers him, he's been in there with Hergovic. He's been in there with Pulev. He's been there with Jermaine Franklin. So he's 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 had even James Tony, believe it or not, back in two thousand and four. He's been around for a while, Rydell Booker. But you would expect Otto Volin to be coming through this pretty convincingly. Hopefully, getting a knockout um, on his resume there, and you know, I mean, this is he should be fighting. Better fighters than Booker, yep. 100%. I do believe that. I think it's, it's a bit of an easy one. I mean, he had an eight-rounder as well in February. He's back out sort of three months later. Um, so I suppose they want to just keep keep him active and, and wait for those bigger fights. But no, he, he beat Dominic Brazil. I know Dominic Brazil wasn't a huge name and obviously Wilder dispatched him and Joshua did a bit later than Wilder. But 
you know, after the Brazil fight, after Tyson Fury, really, he should be fighting bigger names. I'm hoping this is just a, an active fight. I mean, I, I'm expecting him to maybe get the rounds in and may even stop Booker. But yeah, it's not a huge fight. It's just the fact is you just want to see how Ivolin gets on, really. And um, you want him to be pushing on because he's, he's, a, he's a decent fighter and, and he's definitely someone that can cause and pose prob problems for other uh, guys in this division that are on that sort of contender status. Yeah, I agree. I've always liked Otto Volin. I've liked what he's about. I liked his, his fundamentals, his skill set. You know, he come up against a better guy in Tyson Fury. Give him hell. Let's not remember. He give him hell. And and to be fair, he, he was unlucky not to get that fight stopped and, and go in his favour because the cut was so bad to Tyson Fury that I could quite easily have been stopped and gone to the cards. So, you know, you know, I think he's just, he's due a little bit of, of, of luck. He's due a little bit of you know, uh, recognition, and I think to get that recognition, they need to come past these activity fights, and they need to be looking at that top 10, and they need to be fighting a guy who has got a name. I mean, I would have preferred to have seen, like, Otto Volin versus a Chisora at this point, but it looks like Chisora's yeah. just, it looks like he's just signed to fight on the 9th of July against Adam Kwanaki, and Adam Kwanaki would have been a good fight for Otto Volin as well. You know, even Robert Hellenius versus Otto Volin, a Scandinavian super fight. You know, that would have been a huge fight in Scandinavia for them to with them both coming from their countries respectively, Sweden and Finland. So, you know, why why not make a fight like that? I think a Hellenius fight would be a good one for, for Volling going forward if he wants his career to progress a little bit quicker. But I am excited to see him. I do enjoy watching him. I do think it's a bit of a rollover fight for him though. So I'm not gonna get overly excited. I just I get more frustrated when I see him in the in the ring against guys and I think, you know what? You need to be stepping up, mate. You need to be pushing forward forward now and you need your promoter Salita needs to be getting you these big fights and you know if he can't secure you these big fights then you need to be thinking about who else you should be working with to get you these big fights because otherwise your career is just going to go and surpass you and you're going to end up being too old before you get these big fights and, and your fundamental skills will, will have gone or diminished so you know it, it's I think that's kind of my I'm sort of got a man yeah, it's it's my it's probably my rant of this this week. I've not really done a rant of the week for a couple of weeks, but I think this is it now. When I think about Volin and I think about you know where he really could be at and you know the type of fights he should be having by now, and I just think you, you know you're not getting the fights you need. You need him now. So if he gets this fight, gets it, gets the win, moves on, and he fights a bigger fight later this year, I think I'll be a little bit more satisfied as a fan of Volin. You know, seeing him go on to to, to fight these bigger fights and seeing if he can actually push his stock up there and and. Be in with a shout in the future of another title shot so yeah it's a it's a relatively quiet week this week johnston only the obviously the major fights that we've spoken about but it is the calm before the storm because next week's big fight previews consists of like nonito donair versus neo anue joe cordina fighting for the ibf super featherweight title so you know it's a little bit of a busier one next week so apologies for it being a little bit shorter than usual but we hope you've enjoyed the episode i want to give a big shout out to the patrons of the podcast for supporting us as you always do your patron only episode is out there the boxing promoters 2021 2022 is out there please go and give that a listen if you're not a patron and you're interested to see what other content that we do, please go and check us out at patreon.com forward slash BTR Boxing Podcast Network. You can get access to series-based content early, patron-only content, ad-free episodes, even as far as commissioning episodes as well. Please do go and check us out on there. Now, if you've not followed us on social media, you can do that by following us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and make sure you also subscribe to that YouTube channel 
even if you don't watch the YouTube videos of the pods that we put out on there, please go and subscribe to us. We're not too far away from that coveted 1,000 subscriber mark now, so please just go and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Even if you don't watch it, it'll be a massive help for us. That's it, Fight Fans. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week for all the Big Fight reactions and preview shows. Podcast Network.